I don't want to scare anyone. But I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason. His body was never recovered from the lake after he drowned. And if you listen to the old-timers in town, they'll tell you he's still out there. Some sort of demented creature. Surviving in the wilderness. Full-grown by now. Stalking. Stealing what he needs. Living off wild animals and vegetation. Some folks claim they've even seen him. Right in this area. The girl who survived that night at Camp Blood, that... Friday the 13th. She claims she saw him. She disappeared two months later. Vanished. Blood was everywhere. No one knows what happened to her. Legend has it that Jason saw his mother beheaded that night. That he took his revenge. Revenge that he'll continue to seek if anyone ever enters his wilderness again. And by now, I guess you all know, we're the first to return here. Five years, five long years, he's been dormant. And he's hungry. Jason's out there. Always on the prowl for intruders. Ready to kill. Ready to devour. Thirsty for young blood. Well, boys, we survived Camp Crystal Lake and the reign of Mama Voorhees. And we're gonna we're gonna slide down the lake a little bit. We're going to slide down, and we're going to find ourselves this week, or uh, in this entry, at the uh, Pakanak Lodge here, apparently still on Crystal Lake, for Friday the 13th, Part 2. Now, if we're sliding, can it be like that Coolio song, where we slide, slide, slippity slide? Oh, yeah. Like, there's this one big, long... It's actually one big, long slip and slide from one camp to the other. But nothing would make me happier. Yeah. See, I I was going with JD from The Wiz, you know. Get on down, get on down the road. Oh, yeah. Sorry. When's when's the anniversary of that one that we can do, the retrospective on The Wiz? Well, guys, I don't know when that is, but you can count me down as busy. Oh, he's washing <laughs> his hair that night. Um, no, uh, we are on to Friday the 13th, part two. Uh, let me uh, let me consult my notes here really quick, uh, because after the success, the quote-unquote unforeseen success of Friday the 13th, which uh, made... Uh, with a budget of, they they rated the budget anywhere from half a million dollars to uh, six hundred thousand dollars, somewhere in there. Um, the total box office ended up being close to sixty million dollars. So absolutely a hit. Uh, direct sequel would basically be put into production immediately, 
And the original idea, see, here's the interesting thing about this point in time in American horror cinema is the slasher movie in the United States is still very, very new. There's no like blueprint like there is today about, well, here are the, here are the steps that this, the slasher movie has to take. Well, here's what the sequel sequel does. So, uh, it's, it it was very much uncharted territory and it kind of shows, uh, but we'll get to that when we talk about the, uh, the production value. Uh, but the original, uh, the original concept for Friday the 13th part two, taking a page out of Halloween three's playbook, uh, which was, uh, it was originally going to be an anthology series, uh, not, not involving Camp Crystal Lake or anything. It was just revolving around the, the superstition of the Friday the 13th date. And it was going to be something else that happened somewhere else in the world on Friday the 13th that was also, you know, a scary movie. Uh, but that was not to be. Uh, because the, uh, the Georgetown production, the, uh, what they call the, uh, the New York guys in the, uh, Crystal Lake memories, uh, DVD mm-hmm. set, uh, would not take a movie without Jason Voorhees at all. And, uh, that was, that was how we got the movie that we got because, uh, they had to figure out where to go with Mrs. Voorhees gone and uh you can thank uh phil scuderi uh and because uh, he was apparently the the lead guy who said uh if you're going to do a part two he insisted that it had to have jason and um so we have all these years later we have him to thank so Steve Miner, who was the uh, associate producer on the first movie, who would later to go on to direct a shit ton of horror movies, um, a bunch of, uh, I think, wasn't he Halloween H2O? And um, uh, was he the My Bloody Valentine remake? And I think uh, so. Uh, Warlock, Lake Placid, Day of the Dead, um He's directed a shit ton of stuff. And um, hold on, let, let, let's clarify real quick. He directed the Day of the Dead remake yeah, from '08, yeah. starring one Nick Cannon. Hell yeah! Uh, no, man, no, no, no. You wouldn't be saying that. You ever watched it? <laughs> no, yeah. I, uh, Nick Cannon, who first of all has like the best wrestler name of a non-wrestler that I've ever heard. Um, That's true. Um, but uh, yeah, they can't all be hits. But uh, Halloween H two O. Um, Warlock, a bunch of other stuff. You know, Steve Miner has a more polished, um, has a more polished take. Well, he has a more polished take on on the mm. Friday the Thirteenth movie, in my opinion, than Sean Cunningham. With with the first one, it was very like it felt like very guerrilla filmmaking, and Steve Miner actually has a. Like he knows what he's doing and he kind of knows what he wants out of it. He knows what he wants the end result to be, I feel. And that kind of comes across. 
Um, so that's a little bit of the background that got us to Friday the 13th part two. Um, here are some of the notes that I had as far as, uh, production value and things that I noticed. Um, there's a lot of those, uh, like stop, turn and look, and then you get a POV shot. Yeah. There's a ton of those. And there is quite a few. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I've never really realize notice yeah like i've never really been like because it was there's at least three that i can think of like right off the top of my head right now and i'm like that's a lot for a 90 minute movie well and the the strangest one to me was the when the woman's taking the shower at the beginning of the movie oh yeah and it like walks up to the shower and pauses for a second. Then she just throws the shower curtain open and is like standing there, like menacingly staring into the camera. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, the, the, the approach on that is almost like psycho, you know, the, the psycho shower scene. And yeah. then we stop and she throws it back. And she, literally, like you said, she's staring right at you. It was, uh, it's like, I'm sorry. After what was like a 44 second yeah. shower. Yeah, the world's shortest shower. <laughs> um, and here's here's the other thing that I've noticed, and this is that maybe this is the bigger discussion is Friday the Thirteenth gets a lot of shit for not not uh, holding on to any continuity whatsoever, like during the series, right? Like your timeline is all screwed up, and there's contradictory things throughout the entire series. Like Jason's afraid of water, but then he he's not afraid of water, and this and that. Like they have a lot of inconsistencies, right? But yeah. but watching this movie especially, they get a lot of these really little details so spot on. Like I'll give you I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, Alice, survivor from the first movie, now uh, mm-hmm. only only in the in the movie for you know three minutes in this one. Uh, first of all, if you remember from the first movie. The first thing that she does when she wakes up from her uh, from her dream and every, unbeknownst to her, everybody else is dead. But she goes to the main cabin looking for people and she feels a little uneasy. First thing she does is goes and makes tea. In this one, she's feeling uneasy and, you know, the uh, the cat jumps uh, through the window and she's she's feeling kind of scared. She puts on tea. Uh, you also see in the first movie, she's, you know, they, they make a lot of allusions to her drawing ability and, you know, Steve is like, Oh, these are really good. And, and all this and that in this one, you see some of her drawings on the table and now they're all like, you know, sharp edges and darker and obviously influenced by the trauma that she's gone through. Well, and aren't aren't all the drawings that you see of her that they're of her? Yeah, yeah. She's she's drawing herself, right? So and it, it, it almost looked like she drew. She's drawing herself broken, I guess. And it's like this is the way I interpret it. Yeah, it, it's it's just it's interesting that like over her shoulder and over Steve's shoulder, you can see these uh, like you can see the drawings that she does in the first one, and they're they're good and they're they're you know like accurate representations of people. And in this one, now she's got these, like, dark, almost demonic, like you said, broken drawings. Yeah, it's, it's very 
she moves from realism to like a very abstract yeah style and i'm like dang like that's a pretty interesting character study and character arc for what is ultimately a character who's in this movie for five minutes and you never see her again. Uh, just, it was just interesting uh, to me that like, they'll get all of these really big details wrong, like a ton of them wrong. And we're going to talk about all of the details they get wrong as we get further into the series, because there are many, but then they'll get, they'll do all these little things that are just so right that you don't expect from such a low budget horror series at this point that it was just very impressive to me. Um, the other thing I noticed, uh, a lot of use of shadow and like the silhouettes of people. Oh yeah. Like there's a bunch of, of, you know, well lit out exterior shots and then a shadow goes by and, uh, you know, that was never done. It, it, it was hardly done at all in the first one. And now this one, it's like, it's, it's all the time. It's like the POV shots and the shadow shots are like all of your, your tension. It's like 60% of the movie. It's, it's a lot. Uh, uh, I had one big production note. Mm-hmm. Uh, my God. Um, the fucking shaky can syndrome. Yeah. Cause it's like no one had ever heard of a rig before. No. Uh, so like there was one point where, you know, I think it's one of the POV shots and it's showing everyone like walking out, like walking through the woods. And it's like, it moves every time. And I was like, I'm, legitimately getting motion sick watching this. Uh, but I mean, I, I kind of like, I, I say that as a detractor, but I also kind of like it because like in all these transfers and everything they do, it always makes me happy in some stuff that they leave in the little like scratches on the film that made it into the final, like view and that kind of stuff, the little like blemishes and all that. Yeah. So I kind of like, like how, it feels and looks like a rough movie. Um, yeah, I mean, it does. No. It, it does not feel yeah. like super polished. And you can no. tell they used like a lower grade film stock. Um, like you can tell that it was not very high budget at all. And uh, it, it, it's, I mean, shooting took about a month. So, I mean, they were rushing through this um, and, it, and it and it shows. But uh, I also, um, well, all three of us started talking. <laughs> Scott, well, go ahead. Well, no, I was just I was going to go back to uh, um, one of the things that uh, uh, Flanagan you you touched on, which was the the you know little things that this movie that I noticed with the movie. And one thing I noticed while I was watching this is there's a there's a blaring uh, I don't know how to say it like wide range of what they will get right and then what they overlook. Okay, and and, and I've got several examples. So like when you know when they're they're leaving the porch at night, you know they're going inside, they take the flag down and the flag gets taken in. And why does the flag get taken in? Well, because they're going to turn the lights out. You can't leave a flag up, a U.S. flag up at night without a light on it. 
I thought that was interesting. Okay, it's a small detail. He's taking the flag in. Somebody probably said, hey, why don't you grab the flag? Noticed that uh, most um, movies don't take the time to do is when, uh, um, what's his name, Jenny and uh, Paul, is that his name? The The main guy? Yeah, Paul. Yeah. Uh, they're playing chess. You know, and he moves his knight, and he says, check. And she says, nah, she she moves her. She takes, you know, queen takes knight, check, mate. And I looked at it. I stopped, and I looked at this. And I looked at the board setup, because this is something I always like to do in movies, is whenever they, they have a chess game, I always like to stop and take a look at the board layout just to see if it actually is of course you what do. they say it is. Of course you do. <laughs> That's the most Scott Cox thing I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah, that is legitimately, so, if you want to know so anything actually, about Scott actually, Cox. <laughs> I did a deep dive on this, too, and actually found a website that actually has the, uh, uh, actually has the board position from this movie. Wow. Um, on it, and it's it, it. The board position is exactly how they say it is a checkmate situation, which I thought was because you know most movies and TV shows don't take the time to set up a board to where it's an actual you know mate condition or it's an actual whatever they need in right, the scene. Right, right, right. And uh, but uh, one thing I did like on this 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 website here is uh, they they believe that this chess game is the motivation for Jason in this movie because <laughs> the play was so bad that he was watching from the window and, and he saw how I'm quoting now, he saw how terribly they were blaspheming against Kaisa and took revenge in her name. <laughs> wow. Okay. Hot take. Hot, hot take. Uh, has been uh, Friday the 13th part yeah. two. It's all downhill after that. Yeah. We got nothing else that's going to top that shit. Uh, wow. Sorry. But then, so so you got this thing where he takes the the flag in, then you got the chess game, which is set up to actually have a mate condition, little bitty points. But then you get the cop. Oh, the that has, cop, yeah. The, so you get the cop that his his uniform, everything on his uniform screams local sheriff's department, PD, whatever. His collar says PD. His his shoulder has obviously a county badge on it or something, yet his cruiser says state trooper. And this uniform looks nothing like a 1970s, early 80s era New Jersey state trooper. It's not a uniform. He's wearing jeans. He's, he's exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying. He's dressed and everything to be, but his cruiser says state trooper. You know, he's a. Uh... He's wearing jeans and a T-shirt he de- he he found over at the Rule King, or the button-up he found over at the Rule King. Like he's so he is the worst kind of budget. Like it is probably like easily bottom three of movie cop wardrobes I've ever seen. Like it's it's literally like just a a tan shirt, jeans, whatever shoes he wore that day. A gun belt with literally just a gun on it, and that's it. <laughs> like, there's no, there, I didn't see any radio handcuffs, anything else other nope, than just he's no, just nothing. he's just got a gun on a belt, and like, so he's not gonna take you in. He's gonna shoot. He's gonna shoot you because he can't he can't subdue you with handcuffs or anything. He's just going to kill you. Uh, yep. Yeah. Just so flat out shoot you. Just an awful, awful cop costume. 
So, yeah, but I mean, you see what I'm saying? You get these little details that are that are beautifully done, and then you get these glaring oversights that that just amazed me all through this movie. Another one that kills me was uh, uh, what's her name looking for her dog. Oh you know, yeah, she, oh, she, we'll she, get to her soon. Trust me, characters. Don't worry but, about I mean, that. But but the the scene where she's looking for a dog, she's looking for a dog, she can't find it. She's looking, looking. I, I don't know where it's at. I'm worried. And then someone's like, dinner or food? Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which the dog. I'm hungry. Also, uh, one of the um, uh, one of the production notes that I wanted to to bring up was the uh, the abrupt horror to humor. That is used oh, a yeah. lot, like the uh, the dog walking up to uh, obviously what you expect to be Jason, and then it immediately cuts to hot dogs on the grill mm-hmm. right right before uh, her name is Terry, by the way, uh, looking for muffin. Oh. Um, muffin, yeah, um, but yeah, uh, I guess she really didn't like that dog as much as uh, we were led to believe. She likes that well, dog as much as she likes wearing bras, apparently. Not as much as she likes getting a hot, juicy wiener in her mouth. Yeah! That's what I'm talking right. about. That's very true. He said wieners and she came running. Mm-hmm. Well, so does Flanagan. So. That is also true. I mean, 20 bucks is 20 bucks. That's all I'm saying. And? We will not talk about that Snapchat. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, uh, you are exactly... <laughs> got him. Uh <laughs> You're, yeah, the, um, yeah, it, it's, it blows my mind that, you know, they can get these tiny, tiny details exactly right. And then like these big details and these big points, they just brush over and don't take any real time to look at at all. Yeah. Nothing. It's, it's uh-huh. very odd. So he had this prop master on the movie that is just meticulous and anal. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, the king needs to be there, otherwise it's not going to work. And then you got the the costume lady. It's like, eh, the blue shirt works. Again, just wear jeans. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. yeah. haven't got. You, you get your sneakers match. Okay, yeah. cool. You're fine. Get, our, get out. There. Our police belt budget ran out at gun. <laughs> <laughs> like, and that's it. That he that that. Yeah. Oh my God. Like it just, yeah. Awful. Um, but they do, they do things like, um, you know, like these little details, like the, the, the cop chasing Jason through the woods, they make sure to hit that puddle because when Ginny is running at the end and hits the puddle, you know where she's going. Like yeah. these little story building moments like that, which you're like, man, like they took a lot of detail into what could have essentially been just a throwaway story. They, you know, they actually like really tried. And then you have someone who's real concerned about looking for their dog and then is like, Oh, lunch, whatever. Fuck that dog. Bye. (laughs) And is out. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, (sighs) it was, it's a very interesting mishmash of like you can tell the points or the parts of it that they really, really cared about and the parts that they absolutely did not. Um, but that's all I had for uh, production notes. Um, that's all the, uh, that's all the stuff that really stuck out to me. I did think the choice of all the full frontal male nudity was, uh, 
kind of weird. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, oh, wait, no, that's the movie I watched yesterday. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, Sorry. No, trust yeah. me. Uh, when we get to part four, we'll get all the male nudity you could want. Don't worry. Uh, we'll get there. Um, next, next topic that we talk about, next uh, criteria um, that we use to critique the movie is, of course, music. Music. Music, an integral part of of uh, horror movies, and Friday the 13th especially. Harry Manfredini's back uh, with the exact same uh, score and uh, musical high notes uh, that were in the first one. Uh, literally exactly the same. The only thing that's really different in this one, uh, the when they travel to the... Um, uh, the casino bar thing, uh, and the band that we have a live band playing, uh, which is, which is pretty interesting. Uh, it adds, adds a little bit of a, a fun live, uh, aspect to it. And, uh, let's see, uh, we're going to go to the soundtrack, um, because we're going to get the, uh, the name of the band here. I had it written down, but I can't read my own handwriting, so we're going to put this in. Mark for the magic tones? No. No. That's not, that's not what it is. I saw it too, and, uh, um, let's see. Friday the 13th part to the casino bar. Um, let's see. We've got, because, um, Description and history patrons. They only list three patrons. Um, <laughs> that's not, uh, yeah. So they, uh, because yeah, it's actually one of those, uh, rare, rare occasions where they travel off site and, uh, and head, um, head to a different location. And it's also one of the rare points where uh, a character, because you know how they always say um, it's it's bad, it's always bad in these movies if you smoke or you drink or you have sex. Um, well, Ted decides to stay at the bar and just keep on drinking, and he lives. So he's the anomaly to the rule. Yes, he is. So um, I love Ted. Ted is awesome. Oh, we're gonna get to uh, when we get to characters. I've got a couple questions about Ted. Um, <laughs> we're gonna continue the uh, the streak uh, with it uh, with these questions. Um, and also, yeah. um, uh, your your character, a, a character that I can only believe was named after you, also continues a streak um, that we talked about last time. That we will continue this time. Um, but otherwise. Uh, very standard uh, Harry Manfredini score, which when I say standard, it makes it sound like it's kind of meh, but like another great uh, installment. Uh, the music fits very well. Um, I think uh, I think it matches the uh, the tension building, and um, I think he does a great job. So um, I was I was. Um, happy with the score it was it was 
one of those where it did not reinvent the wheel. It was very standard for yeah. what we would come to know as the Friday the 13th score. Um, so. so when it came to this, we were, when I was, when I was doing my, my rewatch, um, after the, the, that opening score, that opening title, you know, for Friday the 13th, yeah. as it's fading out, uh, cause I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here, I've, I've got my, my notes in front of me and I'm watching and I'm trying to keep open to what I'm supposed to be, you know, doing here. And as the music is fading out, my brain snaps into gear and I'm like, oh crap, there was music playing. And so I rewound this time so that I can actually listen to the music. Cause once again, I completely ignored it. So I actually listened to the music this time because we had that nice little discussion on me not doing that. Yeah, because you, uh, uh, you don't hear the last music. One. I don't. And this one, I completely didn't hear it until, like I said, it was phasing out. And then my brain actually realized, shit, there's music playing. Yeah. Um, so you know how – and this is what I got when I listened to that opening title. Okay. Uh, title score. You know how, like – Take flight of the bumblebee. It's supposed to invoke images of the bumblebee doing its thing, you know, and everything because of the cadence and the way the music is and all that good stuff. Right. So as I was listening to it, I got the opening dance number from West Side Story, but in a field of flowers. I don't know why, but that's what popped into my head. Okay. So all that's what I right. said. That's an interesting take. And an oddly specific one too. It is. A, it was. That's cause that's exactly what I saw. Yeah, very specific take. Um, you know, hey, I, I, I'm like I'm getting nothing menacing here. I'm I'm literally seeing that opening dance number in a meadow of wildflowers. Okay. Um, anyway. Just FYI. Yeah. Well, that's an that's an interesting image. Uh, the Smoky Boys <laughs> Band, by the way, is the name of the uh, the band. Uh, that was playing at the casino, uh, the casino bar. So, uh, Smokey Boys Band, if you're looking for their discography. Um, I like, I like when they include actual bands. Um, so, um, but yeah, I, I didn't have a lot of music notes, um, just because it was, it, there was not much different from the last one. I only had, only had the one, so. The, yeah, Field of Flowers, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> hey, it's the way my brain works. Um, so with that, I guess uh, we can move on to uh, what I think will be one of the uh, biggest categories this week. Butts. Uh, oh, we're gonna get yeah, butts. Uh, that's that's the next one. Um, gore effects and our best, our, our favorite kill. Uh, here's the here's the history of the special makeup effects side of this movie as it progressed. First off, they tried to get Tom Savini back. And Tom Savini, for a multitude of reasons, did not come back. Um, he was he was working on a movie called Midnight, uh, and he did not enjoy the idea of Jason being the killer. So he opted not to come back. So how do you replace somebody like Tom Savini? 
you go to a man by the name of Stan Winston. So they go to Stan Winston and they, they try and get him who is interested in the project, but also has a scheduling conflict has to drop out. So then who do you go to? The, uh, the third choice was ultimately the man who ended up doing the special makeup effects on this movie, a man by the name of Carl Fullerton. And you may be wondering, I've never heard of that guy. I don't know who Carl Fullerton is. I had to look him up. Uh, he is actually a two-time Oscar nominee. Uh, oh. Did makeup work for The Silence of the Lambs and Philadelphia, among others. So, very highly skilled in makeup effects. Um, you know, obviously talented. So, uh, I think that is a, a fairly good substitute. So I thought that was interesting that he has, he has literally, he's a, he's, he's won several other awards, uh, but a two time Oscar nominee for makeup effects. So, um, you know, uh, obviously very talented. Um, the one thing that I noticed was the, continual or the continue of the legacy of a lot of throat slashes. Because if you remember in the first one, a majority of the deaths that we see are throat slashes or like involving cutting the throat in some way. And there are at least a couple of people who get the throat slashes. Um, Scott hanging upside down gets the throat slash um, but the other thing that I noticed is there are a lot of off screen kills. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, reaction kills. Yeah. Um, I was not a fan of the, uh, that one, that one poor girl who, um, uh, she's trying to get with, uh, Mark in the wheelchair and mm-hmm. she finds, um, she finds the two kids, uh, she finds the two of them up after they've been, uh, double stabbed with the arrow through the bed. And it's a, like, it's, it's way too long for her just to be standing there screaming as he's walking towards her with the knife, with the super gross black fingernail. Um, yeah, yeah it's all I could look at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that, that's a little distracting. And I think part of it is just because it goes on for so long that you're like, mm-hmm. at some point she would move or do something. I think she wouldn't just stand there screaming. Uh, but she does calmly back up against the wall. Yeah. I did notice. Point. I did notice though, when she backs up, like I noticed the subtle way that she accidentally closes the door. Uh, mm-hmm. which is, you know, which blocks her only exit. Um, and so I, I thought, I thought the way that they did that was kind of was, it didn't look forced. Like, you know, she was going back and like, Oh, she puts her hand out to, to, you know, close the door. And then you're supposed to think it's like by accident, but like it legit looks like she freaks out, backs up and accidentally closes the door. And then it's like, shit, she just closed out her only exit. She she did legit bump into that door, I think. 
just and, based off looking at it. That's, yeah. And so I thought that was a nice touch. But then later on, it's like he's still just calmly walking towards her and she's just standing there. Uh, but, uh, you know, the uh, the ripoff death from the twinge of the death nerve with the uh, the double the, the spear through the double bodies on the bed still looks awesome. Looks painful. Yep. Um, the. um <sighs> I'll tell you the one that, that surprised me with the rewatch, like how much it made me cringe was right off the bat. Alice with the ice pick to the, to the temple. Yeah. But, and, uh, I, I, I want to touch on like, were ice picks ever really designed to break up ice or were they just designed to be murder weapons? Oh uh, yeah. Literally just murder weapons. Okay. thought so. Like, I don't see any other way that it's not a murder weapon, um, because it's just not, uh, it's not practical for breaking up ice. Uh, it's not, it's practical for shaming it into someone's temple though. Um, but yeah, I, like, I remember that she, that she got killed in the beginning and I remember like she got stabbed, but then like watching it again, it was just like, shit, like that is brutal. Like... It's it's hard to watch. Oh yeah, really hard. hard okay, I thought it was because yeah. you're like oh oh yeah. like. See, I I just I don't know the, the, the gore effects in this one left, in my opinion, a lot to be desired. Because first of all, the ice pick. I'm sorry, the ice pick does nothing for me. I mean, you, you can clearly see it retracting, and I I get nothing. There's no blood at the contact point at all. Uh, I just, I, I, I think, no. And then the throat slashes. Apparently, this Jason loves to slash with the wrong side of the machete. Yeah, I noticed that he used the other side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's okay if he sharpens it, but it's a hell of a lot of sharpening to get that other side to cut. <laughs> So I, when it comes to the gore effects, I thought it was a huge step down in gore effects for the first movie. I mean, just huge. The the the, the throat slash has has very little blood. It's more like just a line. Uh, wrong side of the machete. Even when uh, uh, wheelchair dude gets you know cleaved with the machete, he has it, a name and it's Mark. Yeah, wheelchair <laughs> dude, and uh, it's the wrong side of the machete again. <laughs> The, the the blade is facing out away from his head. I, I don't get it. I'm like, it would brain him pretty good, but and I don't think it would go into the head. It was also I, I wasn't, the, uh, the fall I wasn't backwards. Happy with, yeah, I wasn't happy with the gore in this in this movie at all. And and the the double spear through through the bodies. I know that 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 scene was longer and it got cut down uh, because of the the ratings people. And so they had to do what they had to do with editing. But literally when it comes through to the bottom, just looking at the shot, there's, there's, there's no gore on that, that blade at all. There's like a little drop of blood. Just a little bit. This little bloop. And that, that's how much? Bloop. That, that's about uh, okay. it. Okay. Okay. 
Yeah, there's, in my opinion, there's hardly any quote-unquote gore in this movie at all. Yeah, it's pretty li- – like most of the, the special makeup effect attention was put on the look of Jason, uh, mm-hmm. which, funny enough, when we get to the next movie, when we get to uh, next time, we will discuss um, how pretty much the the next movie undoes all of the makeup work on Jason in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, continuity wise and in the series, like just, just, yeah, like they basically completely undo it. And, um, yeah, there really isn't, there isn't much like there's not a ton really gore wise. Um, like you see what, like one person hanging up on the wall and that's about it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, this one is is a lot lighter, Um, and I don't know if that because if you look at stuff like Halloween H two O, also not a lot of gore. So maybe that's just Steve Miner. Maybe that's a minorism, if I can coin that term. Um, Sure. Maybe that's Steve Miner's way is that he's not he's not as big on gore. Like Lake Placid, not very gory. Um, So yeah, maybe it's just Steve Miner doesn't want a lot of gore. And that's fine, you know. It's it's his style. Just um, maybe next time get the right side of the blade. Yeah, or something would make me happy. See, that's what we're talking about: attention to detail. <laughs> so that being said, Scott, not not overall impressed with the uh, the special effects with this one. Uh, which no. death? Which which kill was your favorite? Um, and all honesty, the my favorite kill, um. And the one that I actually thought, the one that did make me cringe was the with, with the, the the cop with the hammer, claw hammer. Yeah, the back the they don't cut away until like the they very don't. end. Yeah, yeah. His first of all, there's no gore, of course, but it's also behind the head, so you don't actually see it. Um, second, I, I loved using the the actual claw part and not just braining him with the hammer. I thought that was good. And then that expression that he gives, you know that. You know, jaw clenched, eyes bugging out expression. I, you could probably call it over the top if you want to, but I love it. And, and like you said, they hold on it for ever like, before yeah, cutting away. That hammer swings down, and I'm like, there's a, there's a, a, a like a, an instant where you're like, are they going to cut away? Like, because how are they going to do this? And it's like they cut it close. Uh, they did. I know the uh, the like you said the uh, the double bed impaling uh, was cut for a couple reasons, uh, not only for the violence but also um, the uh, the girl in that scene. They shot a uh, a full frontal nudity sequence with her, and then found out she was underage. Oh, uh, no. So a lot of that, like that footage, of course, was destroyed. So that sequence was cut down for several reasons. Uh, just side note. Uh, but, um, yeah, the, uh, the twinge of the death nerve version is a lot better. Uh, it's a lot more complete. Well, so that explains why we never got to see, you know, her tits. Yeah. And that was that was pissing me off in the movie ah. last night, because like everything, every shirt that she wears and the scene she has leading yep. up to that is yep. just screaming, hey, you're going to get to see her tits. Yep. Just hang loose. It'll be here in a minute. And then literally she takes her 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 top off off camera and we're done. Yeah. And I'm like, really? We're, 
Uh, no. And that's why uh, they they had to redo it. I believe I saw that the uh, the first try, like the first couple times they did that, um, she was on top of him, <laughs> and and then they found out, oh yeah, she's not she's not old enough, so they had to change stuff up. But uh, ah. so that's why is yeah um, yeah she uh, can't she can't show you them them nineteen uh, eighties boobies. Can't do it. Um, Koran, what's, what's your uh, what's your best kill in this one? Best kill, I'm going with the the tried and true, the arrow through the bed on the two people. All right. Um, it's 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 iconic. <laughs> it is. Uh, it is a. Here's the interesting part about it is um, it's it, it got cut a lot for the sensors, but if you can track down one of the old VHS boxes, uh, mm-hmm. it actually has a still frame that was cut on the back of the box. Really? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, there's also on the back of one of them, I think it's on the DVD that they released, uh, instead of using a, an actual still from the movie, they used a behind the scenes shot of the guy that played Paul, and he's pretending to be dead. So on the back of the cover, it looks like Paul's dead. Uh, but yeah, so the, the, the history of the, uh, the VHS covers with this series is very odd. Um, but always a good, always a good choice. Uh, the, I love the, when he comes in the room and he's got it and he's got the, the spear and she looks up and she knows what's about to happen. And he's got no idea. And she can't say anything fast enough. And then, bam, right through the bed. Solid choice. Thank you. Thank you. A, a close second for me would have been, it was going to be Mark. Oh, uh, that is my number one. Mark, uh, the wheelchair. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, no, 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 you're good. On that. No, 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 you're all good. Um, the the misdirection of you know that shot from behind him and then uh you know he's looking around and and then bam to the face and then immediately backwards down all of the stairs um and at that point he's already dead but he's just falling back down the stairs like absolutely brutal because this is one of those movies where still at the point in the series where I'm rooting for the kids and because at this point still like all of the, all of the, the counselors still feel like people to me, like they're not one dimensional, like, Oh, that's the jock. That's the nerd. That's the, that's the, this guy, that's the, that guy, uh, that's the slut. That's the, whatever, uh, like they're not one dimensional. Like all of these characters have, you know, multiple sides to them. So I still like, I still root for them, even though they're going to die a horrible, horrible death. Um, so this guy and, and, you know, we get his story where he's, he's, you know, motorcycle accident. I don't plan to be in the chair for the rest of my life. Like he's, you get to know a little bit more about him and you start to be like, man, like this guy, like, you know, he's, 
he's, uh, determined. He's, you know, he, he was an athlete, um, still is, he's training for something. Um, and you know, he's like, he just seems like a good dude. And then he's, he's handsome. And then right in the face down the stairs. Um, I well, don't. What killed it for me though was the freeze frame. Yeah, like it does that I a mean, lot too. Like where it does like that 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 flash to white. That I that, that it, it does that at least a couple times, and it does kind of cheapen it for me. Um, yeah. it does kind of cheapen, uh, and it kind of makes it feel. Uh, it it makes me take it less seriously. Um, but um, but yeah um. Wheelchair, Mark, my number one most brutal kill. See, now if we'd followed that wheelchair all the way down and actually saw him like go skittering across the gravel or asphalt or whatever's down there, that it probably would have made my number one then. Um, I also want to criticize the fact that Mark is uh, giving people shit about uh, when they're running in the morning. <laughs> and he's like, oh, you're running real shitty. Like, oh, well, pick up the pace, guys. Like, I, I took exception to that. Um, I love that guy in the wheelchair has no right to tell me how to run. Um, so just like, uh, you know, blind people have no right to make fun of me cause I can't do those magic eyes. Um, it's the same principle. Uh, really? You, you, you can't do the, can't the, do, the, the magic eyes? No, I can't cannot, do it. I cannot do them. I've never been able to, uh, to actually see, I've never once in my life actually, seen whatever you're supposed to see in the magic eye puzzles ever. Hey, well, I, I now have a new new goal. I'm going to teach ever. you how to do that. I've never, never seen it. Like I, they're like, Oh, this one's a dragon. This one's a sunset. This one's a car. Never. I've never looked at one and like been able to do it ever. Um, so there you have it. All right. Um, all right. Now this one, this movie has got a plethora of characters. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, the, all of the aforementioned, uh, characters that we've, we've been talking about. We've got, uh, uh, Ginny as the final girl. We've got, uh, Paul, head counselor, Paul, uh, Mark in the wheelchair, um, uh, Scott, which by the way, Scott, uh, besides being a complete creeper, um, he is the second Friday, the 13th character, that is able to have a conversation with a, with an animal. Um, because in the first movie we had, um, we had Annie who could talk to the dog, um, and the dog talked back. And now we have Scott who talked to muffin, uh, who they had a conversation. So second movie in a row where a Friday, the 13th character can talk to an animal. I thought that was interesting. And he strikes out with the animal, too. He does, yeah. Because he, he makes the comment, yeah. He sure does. Uh, can I also ask, um, like, so f- absolutely so far, because we're in the second movie uh, in the series, um, is this the best-looking cast of a Friday the 13th movie ever? I think it's. I think this cast is definitely better-looking than the first cast. Uh, but... I don't know. I think I think these are especially uh, the the most attractive Friday the Thirteenth girls we've had so far. 
Well, you can definitely tell a, a, a difference in eras because the first one was shot, you know, in, like, as we discussed in the first episode in 79. And so the, the, the teenagers of the cast of the first one are, is a very 70s cast. Yeah, yeah, it's a, That's it's true. a very and, 70s and this, feel. Yeah, this is most definitely now a very early 80s cast. We're not in the, the late 80s punk rock yet because it is like, like 1980, 81, somewhere along in there when they actually filmed it. So, But it is most definitely we fully transitioned into 80s people now. So I don't know if that makes a difference, but I just thought I'd throw it out there. Uh, I think so far – um, I will go on record as to say, I think, uh, so far in the series, uh, I'll, I'll keep updating this every, every entry. Uh, Terry, I think is the, uh, the best looking Friday, the 13th girl so far. Terry's great. Uh, I love the cutoffs that she wears. Yeah. The cut off that she wears. Yeah. I was going to say the shirt or the shorts, because it's, it, that, that description <laughs> is good for both. That's true. The shirt is what I was going <laughs> Um, and then, uh, you know, you've got, um, uh, the one, one girl that was, you know, trying to get with Mark. Uh, she's got that very girl next door babysitter kind of vibe. Although I don't understand. I don't understand something with her character uh, at all. Vicky is her name, by the way. Vicky? Yeah. I'm not good with names. Sorry. She did, the, Vicky's the one who just, uh, for like 10 minutes just does not want to wear pants. Yeah. Well, yeah. see, that's the thing. So she's, she's, she's trying to get with Mark. She has finally, after, you know, flirting with him very openly, well, since she's introduced into this movie, yeah. she finally gets him to take the hint. Yeah. She's not subtle. Um, well, yeah, but he, he was kind of thick too. Yeah. Um, but, uh, she's like, okay, cool. We're going to get together. We're going to do this. We'll go find a cabin. Let me just go back to my cabin real quick. So she goes back to her cabin to change, I guess, into something sexy. I don't know. And she puts on a sweater. Yeah. Well, and like, what a sweater too. It's like a very Cosby-ish yeah. sweater. Like it is a very l- ugly sweater. Yeah. This is I'll a not it. flattering sweater yeah. in any shape or fashion. She does change her panties though. And um, uh, the, while the panties that she had on, I thought looked very sexy and fine. She decided she wanted these others. I guess those are her lucky panties. Uh, I don't know. More like her getting lucky panties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, and I think when we were watching it last night, my, my wife called them, you know, her fuck panties. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so, um, so she puts those on and then she puts on perfume. So she sprays it on her neck. She sprays it on her hands. She puts some behind her ear. Which is a lot of perfume. That's a lot. And then, it is. Yeah. Then she sprays it down on her tits, and she yeah. puts it down at her her crotch. And the yeah. only thing I can think of every time I watch that scene is she is going to taste so nasty when he starts licking around because wow. that is just going to be just butt nasty to lick perfume. Ugh. Sorry. And what's going to taste yeah. so nasty when he starts licking around? Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, all right then. Uh, that's a, that's a quote. That's yeah. a that's a line. If we did am episode titles on these, that would be the title. But uh, <laughs> this is just Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Um, I mean, licking around. Yeah, li- <laughs> licking around. Perfume uh, tastes nasty. Uh, but uh, she uh, cute as a button. Um, Very. Uh, so yeah, I think I think this is um, uh, with the exception of uh, the. Who's the, the 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 one guy that gets uh, 
um, the guy that gets impaled. Uh, well, no, first of all, let's talk about Ted. Ted is uh, not a handsome man, but uh, Jeff, uh, <laughs> also uh, not handsome. But pretty much the rest of the cast is like a very, very good-looking cast. So props Not the cop, though. No, no, unfortunately the cop. Um, uh, yeah, and Ted, just unfortunate-looking um, Ted, gangly, um, red hair, big nose, poor Ted. Uh, but begs the question. Because they're following the formula. First movie, the funny guy is Ned. Second season, or second movie, funny guy is Ted. Is Ted funny? We decided last time uh, that Ned was uh, was funny. Uh, this time, we're going to decide, is Ted funny? Uh, some of his highlights include, uh, he gets Jeff's truck fake towed. Uh, he has, uh, a couple of, of jokes, uh, that he tells, uh, he dresses up and scares everybody at the, uh, around the campfire. Um, when he's at the bar, he's, uh, he's making jokes and stuff. Uh, but is Ted funny? Yes. All right. Pranks are funny, man. Mm-hmm. Pranks are funny. That's true. I, I, I disagree. Okay. Uh, I disagree that 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 that, that Ted is funny. Um, pranks are funny. You're right. And uh, while I will have to give him the the fake toe, that was a good one. I mean, if you can set stuff like that up, do it because it's it's always funny. But his jokes, his jokes don't land at all. Uh, the the whole scare thing uh, was prearranged by Paul. So that wasn't even his idea. He was just you still got to get someone else. to put on the mask and wear the long cloth. You, you do, you do, but it wasn't his idea. It was this. This was all Paul. This was Paul's show on this one. He was just helping out. He was merely cast in this one. Um, uh, you know, and then uh, we get to you know him at the bar, and he's just the he's the shy drunk that wants to flirt with the bartender but he doesn't actually really flirt with the bartender and i mean he's he seems like a decent guy seems like a good guy you know i would love to be friends with ted um seems like he'll help you out of a jam but you know he's not funny uh sorry Ted, uh, yeah. not funny. We've all been wrong before. Yeah. We've all been wrong before. And it's good of you to admit it. I'm oh. glad you can. Oh. Well, I got to side with Koran. Uh, I think Ted is funny. I think Ted is charming. Um, I, I Fuck you, Scott. Like Scott, I would, <laughs> I would be friends with Ted. Um, partly because we have the same body type. But, um, you know, I think uh, I like Ted. I think Ted's a good guy. Um, no, charming, yeah, he was charming, and I think he's but, funny. Like, yeah, he has that one joke that I really like the um, uh, the bear and the rabbit in the woods. Um, yeah, but you don't hear the whole joke. I know, That's but the punchline. But I know what the joke is, and it's funny. It's a funny joke. Yeah, but see, I I don't. Okay. So all I get is a okay. punchline to a joke with no setup. Here you like, go. Yeah, okay. okay, whatever. A bear and a rabbit are in the woods, and the bear turns to the rabbit and says, "Rabbit, when you shit in the woods, does the shit stick to your fur?" And the rabbit says no. So the bear wipes his ass with the rabbit. That's the joke. Okay. I think it's funny. Um, 
take I was I was wrong. I was <laughs> wrong, and I will admit that I was wrong now. Um, knowing the joke didn't help. It's still not. Uh, <laughs> I think Ted. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I yeah, I think Ted is. Uh, I think Ted. He has. Uh, he has that. Um, uh, what's brown and sits on the piano. Beethoven's last movement. I think it's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> like it's funny. Like it's it's, it's stupid now, funny. Now, but now it's that funny. one. It's stupid funny. That one we actually got the whole joke on camera. Right, right. But he but he tells it so fast. Yeah. That it's in the middle of a transition. So you're like, wait, what? Yeah. You don't get it. You know, you gotta watch it a few times to actually get it. So Um so yeah. Charming, nice, but not funny. So we're uh we're mixed on I'm gonna write yes for C and C, no Scott. I'm keeping track of all of the funny characters and if we think they're funny or not. Uh, the other big question that comes around in this movie with characters, and then we can talk about the killer. Um, this movie's ending is dumb as shit. I think we can all agree on it. Uh, the ending makes no, no fucking sense. Uh, the big question is, does Paul live? Is Paul actually alive? At the end of this movie, not knowing what comes next, because in the next movie we will get an answer to that. Uh, but when you're done watching this movie in the theater in 1981, is Paul alive or dead? Alive. Alive. Okay. Uh, I'm not familiar enough with Friday the 13th to know what the answer is coming. Good. Good. No, that's good. Um, that's good. So I'm coming out of this assuming that he's dead. Okay. Um, and, and I say, I'm, I'm assuming he's dead because, well, uh, you know, otherwise they would have him probably on a stretcher right beside her. Um, if not loading her into a second unit, then, you know, he, they'd be loading him into that unit as well. And nobody's doing that. Um, and then, and also, you know, pretty much everybody else who was on site is killed. Uh, even though we don't see her die on camera, I, I guess Terry is in, in the cabin at the end. Yeah. She's dead in the cabin when, uh, yeah. when Ginny gets to the cabin, she's laying, Terry's laying down, uh, next to the, the shrine to mama. Yeah. Yeah. So once again, I'm coming out of this under the assumption because this movie gives me no actual data to go on. Yeah. The ending is, is atrocious. Uh, it's a, it's a, they just kind of like stop. Like they just, kinda, yeah. they're just like the movie's just like over. Um, very, very disappointing non ending for me. Um, I, I do know what's coming, but, um, I think at the end of this movie, by all indications, I get the impression that Paul is dead. Um, in the in the shack fight, you do see his his hands come up uh, towards the end, um, and then you know uh, Ginny saves him. They go back, and then uh, Muffin shows up, and then uh, known piece of shit Warrington Gillette comes through the window. Um, and grabs her the end makes no damn sense. Um, yeah, I, I just, I get the feeling that he's dead. Um, the other theory is that 
that whole sequence is a dream. Uh, and that doesn't really happen, uh, which we will get to also more of in the next episode, because that plays a big part in part three. Well, while we're still here real quick mm-hmm. and we're still close to the touching on characters and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Something that you mentioned that I want to I want to bring up muffin. Yes. The dog, the dog. Yeah, muffin. So once again, as I said in the last movie, I'm not a fan of things that work. They, they hurt the pet animals. Right. And Muffin, of course, I'm going to do spoilers here for anybody who's never actually seen this movie. Um, Muffin does show back up at the end. Spoiler for a 39-year-old movie. Spoilers. <laughs> However, I want to know where the deleted Muffin scene is. Because when Muffin shows back up, her ribbon is different. It's purple, and it's thinner than the thick blue one that she wore when she went up to Jason's feet. So where is the deleted muffin scene of Jason changing out her ribbon in the shack? Um, I think, here's what I think. And you're going to notice this. Like, in, in Halloween, Michael Myers hates animals. Michael Myers murders several animals throughout the series. Friday the 13th, Jason loves pets. Loves, like, domesticated pets. And I think that Jason gives Muffin a brand new bow because he loves the dog. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I want that deleted scene. Yeah. Yeah. I want him and Muffin in the cabin. (laughs) I think that uh, he plays with Muffin and hangs out because at, at his core, he's still a very, you know, simple man child and, uh, loves pets, loves animals. And I think that, uh, you know, he, uh, he, uh, takes care of Muffin and gives Muffin a brand new shiny bow. And, you know, I, there was, there was a missed opportunity here with Muffin, you know, cause she disappears so early in the film when she encounters Jason. You literally could have had every kill be precipitated by a Muffin sighting. You know, yeah. you know, Muffin, the dog of death, you know, because she's following Jason around. See, you know, cause Jason's her new daddy. Um, that's a different that movie cut. for another time. <laughs> I want that alternate cut now. <laughs> the, the, the muffin cut. Uh, <laughs> the muffin cut. <laughs> so let's talk about Jason in this movie. You see, Jason was my son, and today is his birthday. Uh, now, you know, we uh, last last time we talked about the, you know, the killer not being Jason, being Mrs. Voorhees, but now... We've got, we actually have Jason. So let's talk the effectiveness of Jason. This, uh, this movie is not the Jason Voorhees that we all know and love later on. This is, um, lovingly referred to as Baghead Jason. Uh, what do you think overall of the look of Jason in this movie? Compared to a uh, burnt kid at the end of the first one, it looks great. This is true. He's he's tons more effective than he was yeah. in the first one. That is very true. Um, with his makeshift uh, potato sack and uh, overalls and uh, pitchfork 
slash um, pickaxe. Um, I personally, I I don't I don't hate it. Um, I do think it's too close to the uh, town that dreads sundown look for me. Yeah. Um, I agree with that, but I think it is a, I think it's, it's a menacing and intimidating look like that one where, um, like that look where he's in the, he's in the shack and Ginny is pretending to be Mrs. Voorhees and then she moves and he sees the head and then he has that look in his eye. Like he's just like, you bitch, like, and it's on like, it's pretty scary. Uh, when he sits up in the bed and, um, when Vicky's in there and he sits up, and like pretty freaking scary. Like it's a scary look, I think. Yeah. His, his, um, the few times you do see him, uh, on screen, just right there in front of you, they do a really good job of presenting him in a very menacing way. Uh, uh, I, I agree with that completely. Love the way they, they do say the bed thing actually did get me a little bit. Cause I wasn't <laughs> expecting him to be in the bed. And like, yeah, Obviously. he just sits up and it's like, oh shit. And like, he's just like sits up and he just like looks and you're just like, holy shit. Because it does the same thing that the hockey mask does where it's a blank slate. Like it's emotionless. He's not like coming up with some kind of facial expression or anything. Like it's literally just like a, the blank face of death sitting up in bed, scaring the shit out of you. Um, we can, uh, discuss. And continue the fight going for our dear friend, Steve Dash. Uh, fuck you. He's famous. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't heard, fuck you. He's famous. Uh, Steve Dash only credited as Jason stunt double in this movie, but Warrington Gillette is a lying piece of shit and should not be credited as Jason. Uh, because literally the only scene in the movie that is Warrington Gillette is the coming through the window at the end. Everything else is Steve Dash. Uh, so there's a great story. You can YouTube it where, um, Steve Dash and Warrington Gillette are at the same convention and some Steve Dash sees somebody with a Jason part two, eight by 10 that's signed by Warrington Gillette, but it's a scene that Steve Dash was in. (laughs) So Steve Dash goes to his table and like rips him apart. And like, it's, it's like, he tells the story and like, it's, it's pretty awesome because, uh, Warrington Gillette coasted for a long time trying to say that he was Jason in part two. And, um, you know, we've had Steve Dash on, uh, talk nerdy to me several times. And he, he tell, he always told, you know, the story of how he, all of the scenes that he did and uh he is was and always will be my friday the 13th part two jason mm-hmm. um may he rest in peace because he died uh, a little over a year ago uh, but um yeah steve dash i think does a great job of um being that in between, you know, like Jason is a, he's still human at this point. So he's running and he's, uh, you know, trying to outsmart people. Like he's standing on the chair, uh, trying to get, uh, Jenny to come out from under the bed. Like he's hiding, he's doing these elaborate traps and, uh, 
plans and stuff for people. So he's at least, you know, putting forth, uh, some forethought, um, you know, he runs and he looks and, um, that scene, the, the, one of my favorite shots in the entire movie is when Ginny gets to the shack and she pushes herself against the wall and you see him coming in the window and he's like running towards the shack and you see him over her shoulder and like, I just, I love the way that looks. Uh, but I think he does a great job. Well, he also he also gave us the 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 headcock. Yes, when 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 she's in the sweater, thus kind of, uh, I guess humanizing him a little bit, mm-hmm. brings him brings him more into the realm of uh, of a person versus a monster. So, yeah, yeah, uh, he adds a lot of the mannerisms that they would use as as a blueprint for Jason going forward and that it's hard to watch it now and, and remember that, you know, they didn't have a, Oh, this is what Jason does. And this is what Jason does. And this is like, you know, that's his MO. Like they were building it as they went. And it's pretty impressive, uh, that they came up with all of these things that, uh, that work so well as they were kind of paving the way. Cause there weren't, you know, horror franchises, in 1981. So, uh, pretty impressive. Um, uh, Steve dash, great Jason. Um, I can't, I don't know necessarily that he is my favorite Jason, but, um, his portrayal is very, very strong. Yeah. He's up there for sure. Um, and part of it's just because of how amazingly cool he was. Yeah. He's a super cool guy. And, um, yeah, he was, uh, pretty damn entertaining. So uh, if you have the chance to go back and watch our uh, live video from Vet City Con a couple years ago, uh, my God, how entertaining he was. What a great guy. Uh, so I think that brings us to the end of this trip to the Packenack Lodge. Aww. So uh, now we have um, ratings. We are bringing it to the end. On a scale of one to five, give me a rating for Friday the 13th, part two. I was going to say Scott, so go. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to go with a four. Four, all right. I'm going to go with a four on this one. There's some nitpicky things. And it that, that I that I brought up once again they are nitpicky. I do enjoy the film overall. It, it's it's a fun little romp. Um, yeah, plus, you know, Muffin lives, and you've got a, a, a good chess game in it. So an, I'm going with four. An accurate chess game. Solid Fair. score, four out of five. Uh, I'm going to stick got? with I think the exact same one I gave uh, part one, which is three and a half. All right. Three and a half for, uh, for part two. Um, very, uh, above average. That's not a bad score. Uh, I am, uh, I'm gonna go with Scott. I'm gonna go four. I gave the first one a five because I think it's a masterpiece. I think this one, when you look at it as a slasher film, I think it's obvious why it set the tone and it set the bar. Um, 
especially for its time. I think it does a lot of stuff well. Um, it gives us everything that we're looking for in a Friday the 13th movie. Um, it gives us some scares. Uh, it gives us a menacing Jason. Uh, it gives us some good nudity. Um, and it's a just, it's fun. It's fun to watch. Um, and it's got our boy and our friend Steve Dash in it. So, uh, four out of five for me. And, uh, so that brings us to the end of part two. We are, uh, we're canoeing away from Packenack Lodge and, uh, coming up in the distance, you guys, I see a sign on the roadway Uh-oh. coming up. It says, uh, two miles to Higgins Haven. So I think, uh, I think, uh, next time we will find ourselves, uh, pull it up to shore on Higgins Haven for Friday the 13th, part three. Until then, Koran, thank you very much. Commander Scott, thank you very much as well. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And, uh, we'll see you guys next time. Yeah, we will. And, uh, yeah. So until then, Fuck you. We're famous. Thanks for being our friends with benefits. <laughs>